You're listening to That Worked, a show that breaks down the careers of top founders and executives and pulls out those key items that led to their success. I'm your host, Callan Harrington, founder of Flash Growth, and I couldn't be more excited that you're here. Today, I'm really excited. We're joined by Ido Deutsch of Agent Tarot. Ido is the VP of Growth at Agent Tarot. So I want to sit here. Welcome, Ido. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so we've got to know each other. So this is exciting. I'm excited to kind of dive into to your career. So, tell us, tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Agent Terra. Yeah. So, at Agent Terra, I'm the VP of Growth. What that means is that I lead the team that does everything other than uh, product and engineering. If you think about it, it's the whole go-to-market from uh, marketing, sales, support, success finance operations, a lot of things, but it's uh, trying to align everyone to similar goals. Absolutely. So you're covering pretty much the entire buyer's journey, correct? Yeah, pretty much. Gotcha. All of it. Yeah. Yep. So marketing, sales, customer success. So what? So before we dive into Agent Terra a little bit, mm-hmm. where did this all begin? How did you get to where you are today? Oof, good question. Let me go uh, a couple of years back. So I'm originally from Israel. I uh, was born in a small, small town in the southern part of Israel. From a very, very early age, played soccer, found myself really enjoying that and really good at it. I was a goalie, so I played professionally when I was 14, started playing for the national team. So I played for the national team from 14 to 18. And, you know, I think this playing soccer, competitive soccer was, and also being on a team sport, being the goalie, sort of like in the back end, seeing the whole team, sort of like built my character. That's having reflected on it for many years. I think that's something that's deep there. You play for the national team, like the team that would play in the World Cup? Yes, I played the World Cup for the U17 and U18 Israel team. Yeah. Gotcha. One had no idea. Um, that's really yeah. cool. So what does the career path go into that? So if you, if, <laughs> you know, once you get to 18, is it that you have to try out for the national to, like to, to make like the, how's that work? Yeah. Good question. So the national team, so there is one national team and you have under 14, under 15, 16, 17, 18. So I was playing for all those teams. And then since from the moment you get to 18, so when you go 19 and up, then you have, I think there is, or today there is also under 21, another team. But when I was younger, there wasn't. Uh, but since you were 18, you just played for the one national team that gets all age groups together. So then you are like, hey, you are playing only with your age group until you were 18, but now you play with all age groups. So I was, I didn't get into be playing for the, let's call it the, uh, Versity or the, the adult like yeah. World Cup is Israel Israel team, but I played for all the younger teams uh, back then. And the the other thing is that I was a goalie, and there is only one, right? Two maybe one one sits on the couch uh, <laughs> most of the time, uh, and the other one is playing. And when you compete against all age groups, it's just you know the the the, the probability that you actually can get in is very very low. So I didn't, I didn't get there. But if I were, I would probably continue being a soccer player until I was 30 or, 30 or 40 or something like that. I'm grateful for you know, how, how it built my character and that did help build who I am today, but uh, happy that I'm not there anymore as well. Got, so 
this is fascinating to me. I had no idea, of course. Uh, yeah. But uh, so was that your plan? Is that what you, like when you were 16, 17, 18, was that the plan was like, I'm going to play professional soccer? Yeah, since I was nine years old, soccer it was it was all about soccer i mean i went to school and all that but it was everything was soccer and then in israel you have to go to the military when you're 18 to do your your uh, uh, service for three years but i was playing for the national team so i got like a re- like i could do the service while playing soccer but it was all about that like if i would miss like a practice it would be like the end of the world and you know it was all my whole life was around that so i played until i was 21 I played for the national team until I was 18, but I, all those years I played for my city team. Uh, and then when I finished with the military, when I got discharged, then it was a point in life when I was like, do I want to continue with that? I'm not a national team. I'm not going to be like that, you know, the, the top 2%, probably not going to make my, not going to change my life like really drastically. Like, what, what am I going to do? So then I was like, okay, let me go to school. And then I went to college. Gotcha. How hard of a decision was that? Something you've done your entire life and now you're just like, okay, I got to go into a completely different path. Yeah. And how did you come to that decision? That's a great question. It was a tough decision. It was after a couple of years, you know, I I feel like, you know, growing up in soccer and very competitive environments, it was always wanted to be the best and always wanted to be at the top. And I was always there. And when it's not there, you're trying and trying again and trying again. But then you also want to be, uh, you know, honest with yourself and say, for me, it feels like I was probably more mature to my age when I was 21. I don't think a lot of 21 years old would think this way, but I had really I have a recollection of myself sitting at home thinking like, okay, what should I do? Should I keep trying getting to this 1% on, on like the soccer end or am I, should I go and study? And for me, it was like, I should probably go study. I haven't left like 100% like cold turkey, like quitting. I was like still playing, doing some of the, you know, SATs type of thing in Israel and all that. When I got to the university and it was the university that I wanted to go to, I was like, okay, should I, I can do both. So I need to make a decision. And then I just, it was already easier because in my mind I was 70% there. So I just made, made the jump. I'm curious at how much that that helped you later in life in a career, because that's something that's really, really, really tough to do. Did you find that that helped you later in your career at all? So I think, you know, there are two things that there is one for me at least, thinking about my personality there is one this this always trying to be competitive always trying to do more and better but there is also the part that is that is very aware not being perfectionist and like not being that being the enemy of good so i know also when you need to do the 80 percent, not the 100 percent. like it's fine like let's leave it there like doing the i'm i find myself thinking a few steps ahead all the time like thinking hey is that you know, thinking about what I'm doing today, should I keep doing that or is it good enough? And if it's good enough, I'm moving forward, right? And that helps me a lot with, generally, it helped a lot with my career. So, you know, making decisions afterwards, I think the toughest decision in my life from that perspective was like, should I stop soccer? Should I stop playing soccer? I was like, hey, should, should I do that? I was 21, I decided to stop. And then from that moment on, it was all sort of like things that, Laid up, but it 
for me, it was like, don't let perfectionism be the enemy of good, right? Like I, I, I would, I would try to win. I would try to do as best as I can. And I know when, and, and I always evaluate that, try to look at that from an outside perspective and say, is that enough? Is it good enough? And move on. I think that's great advice. So you decided to move on from soccer and go to school. What was that transition like? For me, it was easy. I think the decision was hard to, to be made, but when I decided, I just went with it and just, again, always trying to do the best. I went to school and tried to do the best at school and tried to be do as as, as best as I could. Uh, I went to school, a private school in Israel, and I had to work throughout this whole time. Uh, <laughs> thankful for that as well. So it was like cha- a challenging combination of like working really hard, every day uh, trying to pay for everything else so, uh, and, and school altogether. So it was a, a different challenge than just Excel at school. It was Excel like trying to really make everything work together, right? So it was a, a different challenge, you know. I wasn't best at school, but I think I, I had like my 80% at school and then the, the rest was like, hey, how can I make that work so I can actually work and live and, and, and still maintain the cost of living and things like that. So, and, and that makes total sense. So shortly after, it looks like shortly after you graduated, you founded a, a company. Is that right? Yeah. So th- there are two things there. So as as part of, I think it's part of my nature, but, you know, competitiveness and trying to do things, a lot of times it's trying to do things on my own. When I was still in, in college, I don't know if you know that, Colin, before, but I worked in bars, I worked in restaurants, tried to, tried to make, make a living and all that. I, I worked in many of them. Eventually, in my last two years in, in college, I also opened the bar. <laughs> so I co-founded the bar with, with uh, three other friends that I, that I met along the time. Uh, it was a great experience. It was my first, let's call it entrepreneurship experience. I, I always wanted to start things on my own. I was working in bars and I was like, ah, we can do it better. We can do a better place. We can make it work, you know, and all that. Uh, we were all very determined and uh, wanted to make a lot of fun, which we had. Uh, so <laughs> so that, that was a lot of fun and also a great experience. So building that, understanding how the business works, understanding that, you know, it's all, yeah, you bring the money, you need to make it work. And if not, you need to, bring more money from your pocket and all that, understanding all the mechanics of how business work and what you need to make it grow. That was super valuable experience. So I did that for two years. I think I sold this place just right after graduating. Uh, so it was a really good experience, but th- this was my really first experience into building something from scratch and understanding like how business really work and what that means and building that from the, from scratch. So then I sold that thing when finished up with school. I also had to do, you know, to finish with school, I had to do an externship of things like that and get, get certified as a lawyer. So I was in, in my, uh, some of my dark stats are also that I'm a lawyer back in Israel. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, not proud, not proud of it, but I am. So, yeah, so I did that. And then there was a thing that always bothered me in my mind. And when I was working in bars and restaurants, we always had delivery, like we would we would deliver. So I would work in the bar, managing a restaurant, managing a bar. And we always had like a, the kitchen would do deliveries, right? The kitchen would make and send like what you, you know, you order from today from Uber Eats or whatever it is, right? And simple. And you go on your phone and, and you order. When I was, when I was that age, that was, uh, 
phones just like smartphones just started to get there um, most people would call the restaurant and there was there were all these websites that you go in and you I think one of the oldest one is like Grubhub and things like that so uh, in Israel there were a few websites that would send orders to the restaurant but as one that operated a restaurant we had a a fax machine and I don't know if you've ever seen a restaurant doing that in the in the in the past but a fax machine on the countertop receiving those a4 like pages uh with orders for people and just you know taking that and putting it in and now imagine a restaurant that serves lunch at noon and everyone wants to order food at the same time and all those orders are going through fax machine on the on on the phone so there is a queue there and you only get you can only get one at a time so people would order at noon and we would only receive the order at the restaurant at like 12.30, 12.45, because there was a queue of all those faxes before that. And, you know, we would replace them. And it was crazy. It was crazy to run the restaurant. I was like, how could that work? Like, wh- why anyone is, no one is doing anything about it. That Around just that time, tablets became, started to be out there. Like, I think there was like the iPad will launch like a year before. And it just started to get there and be cheaper. And I was like, why can't we put a, an iPad at the restaurant and just, just get the orders over there? Like, oh, that's a that's an interesting idea. When you <laughs> talk to some restaurants, talk to some websites, they're like, wow, yeah, that would be super helpful. So I was like, okay, there is a problem there, which I personally experienced, and it's painful. And there is a simple solution out there that could be that I that I can solve. I had someone that I knew that is more technical, technical person that I was like, hey, how, how do you think that I knew from before? And like, how, what do you think about it? How do you think to solve it? Oh, that's simple. You just do X, Y, and Z. Okay, let's, let's start something. Let's put something in. I talked to one of those websites in Israel that there was like a marketing website for restaurants that people would go in and order from the restaurant. I was like, yeah, let's, let's launch it. Let's, let's put it in the restaurant. Let's see how it goes. So we were like, working for three, four months, taking off the shelf stuff, building some software and, and hardware together, putting it in the restaurant. And they loved it. The restaurant loved it. The, the website loved it. We scaled that for uh, about, I don't know, I think I did that for about two years, like really working hard, building everything from scratch, hiring a couple of people, not raising money, <laughs> bringing all the money. I didn't really know how VC worked back then. You know how how to raise money and all that, but yeah, b- build this company, which was uh, I think for me it was the biggest achievement of my life. Building something from scratch, not knowing a lot, identifying the problem and and solving that, finding this product market fit, scaling it, eventually also selling it, ex- exiting from it. Uh, so all that was a uh, a really great experience. So you've got two. How old were you when you sold that company? Twenty eight. So you had two exits by 28. Yep. And then, so from there, you moved to Boston. Yep. What led to that move? Sounds like you were kind of on fire for what, what you were doing. What kind of spurred on that move? Yeah, good good question. Uh, so I had a really good time, had a really great time with the company, got married in the same time, which you wouldn't expect. I don't know. It was like crazy time. We didn't have time to sleep, but somehow I, I got to meet <laughs> my wife and got married, which which is, I mean, we are, you know, I, I love her and we are still 
rooting for one another. Uh, but uh, the reason I moved, my wife got accepted to school in the U.S. in Boston uh, for business school. And I was like, you know, I've, I've done my, she was very supportive of my previous uh, company. And you probably know how it is, but you know, when you start bootstrapping and don't have money and uh, you're not making so much money, it's it's really tough. Uh, totally. But, Absolutely. You know, you know had, had a lot of support from her. So when she wanted to do a step for yeah. her career, you know, I jumped in and said that it's another experience and let's, ex- let's explore, let's do that. And then we moved uh, to Boston uh, and I moved. And so I moved with her, didn't have a lot of plans, like I had something waiting for me that friend that I knew and I had a, you know, working with him on something, but nothing really, but I just moved like clean slate and said, hey, let's let's go on this opportunity and see what, what we can do. Gotcha. So what was that shift like just in general from Israel to Boston? Oof, uh, that was uh, a big change for first, just the weather <laughs> moving, <laughs> moving moving from israel to boston that was i think 2014 uh and that is the year they still call it the snowmageddon uh so it was the worst winter ever in boston for the last hundred and whatever years and that was the year that i moved from israel with, which is a desert country and it's super hot so i was walking in the street and had walls of ice from both sides and i'm like yeah not the best decision to move to boston this year uh, <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna stay in this cold for for much longer but i mean the weather was uh, how how to get along with uh the other thing is moving without having like a very specific thing to do trying to figure things on my own that was a struggle as well my wife moved to her school so she had a lot of things to do i was part of the community but you know i'm i'm used to do things i'm a builder doer that's how i define myself and it was like trying to figure out being the like the supportive part but not really have a lot to do it's hard on the self how you self-identify yourself and trying to figure that out on my own that was a I wouldn't say tough time, but it was a lot of learning for me, like figure out on my own, how can I, how can I be in that situation? How can I, what can I learn? How can I grow? Uh, and eventually I met uh, someone there. Before you get there, why, why was that tough? You know, when you're used to always be doing things and executing and running and like you, you have all, you know, the whole day filled up with things to do all the time. So I told you, I, I don't know how I met my wife because I wasn't sleeping. I was working 24 <laughs> seven, basically like building stuff on my own and, you know, moving. And then she's going to school and I'm home and I'm like, I had something like I, I had like a someone to work with on a freelancer basis and help and give some support and stuff like that and, and, and advice, but it wasn't really filling out my days. And I was like, I don't know, what should I do? Boring. Why did I move? You know, it's like your, your self-identity is kind of like, okay, so, you know, what do I do next? And, you know, how, how do I build myself? Because you're moving to a new country. All your experience is not really valued. Like they don't know what you've done and who you are so it's like okay uh so that was a tough time or challenging time to figure out things on my own which again i think all of that reflecting and all that it helps build character for me at least you know getting to know myself better and understanding who i am and what what i want and how how do i like my life to look like so 
all those things. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's why it was tough. I know I'm, I'm hitting on this a little bit, but this is, yep. but this is interesting. And I am sure that other people, obviously I can't relate. I'm from Ohio. I'm still in Ohio. Yeah. So what I'm curious about is, is like, what did you do? Because I, I look at it like this, just hearing what you're saying is you're on soccer, you're on the national team. So no doubt people knew who you were, right? That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that I'm not saying that necessarily like everybody in Israel knows who Ido is, but if you're playing at that level, people are going to know who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And had two exits. We so had a bar, so you were engraved. You were ingrained in the community. Yeah. And then you had a startup, sold it, moved to Boston, struggling to kind of figure this out a little bit. What helped you? Like, what kind of advice would you give somebody that's in those same in that same situation mm-hmm. that's trying to figure it out? That's a great question. I don't know how many people are in those particular situations, but I, for me, it's about understanding what I want or like thinking with myself, okay, I'm here. How can I, how can I make the best out of this situation? So this is one, as as said before, I think it's the competitive nature, always trying to do the best. I'm here. Okay. What, what now? How can, how can I do better from this situation? So this is one always thinking like, how can I make the best out of a given situation? Second is being really honest with myself or be honest with yourself, right? Like if you think like, I moved for a reason. Yeah, sometimes it's not all about you, right? So sometimes it's about your partner and, and let them shine and let them let them be the star of the show and, and you can figure out things on your own. And then always, and for me, it's always opportunities for learning, right? So for me, being there in this situation make, made me a lot more, a uh, lot more want to go out, meet people, learn more things, understand how the, you know, it's like a new country, so understand how the culture works, what thing people are expecting. Granted, it was easier. I was in Cambridge, uh, you know, my wife went to MIT Sloan, so it was like a community of great people, smart people, so you, you know, you, you meet a lot of uh, amazing people along the way, but still a lot, a lot of the challenge was the self-reflection, understanding why I'm here, and making the best out of the out of that situation. So I think that's excellent. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I want to fast forward a little bit. Uh, yep. Not surprised your uh, wife went to MIT as you went to a top business school as well in, in, in at Berkeley. What what mm-hmm. led to that decision? Yeah, so I think, you know, the, as, as said, those moving to a new country, same situation as before, right? I started another, I tried to start another startup with the person I met, which went okay. Uh, that was, I think, my, my first time sort of like starting something and failing. So, I mean, it were, it was okay. Had some clients, but it didn't go where we wanted. We tried to raise money, didn't really success, wasn't really successful. And it was a point in time, again, another decision point in time, the same as I had with, with Yes Soccer, not Soccer, like, what's next? Like, are we, do we want to stay in the US? Do we want to go back? What, how do I see my career moving forward? What do I want to do? And I really knew that I want to do the best and the most from the, my moving here to the US. I liked the the culture. I thought that I could learn a lot more and, and grow a lot more. So I was like, what makes the most sense for me? And it wasn't to go out and find another job that was more challenging where I was at because looking at different jobs, it was like going, taking a few steps back and going like to an entry level job coming from again, coming from a different country and not knowing what I did. Uh, so, and also seeing my wife's experience and, you know, 
how how great of an experience it is and how much she learned wanted to do something similar so again apply to business schools this is not an easy process so spend time on that uh, and applying to the top business schools uh, getting getting accepted to a few which was uh, on the one hand surprising uh, because <laughs> my, you know I, I wasn't expecting that so got into a few good business schools and then deciding that I really want to be where innovation is, where, you know, where everything happens from technology perspective. So that's why I decided to go to Berkeley. All business schools were, you know, the, the ones that I got accepted was really good, but I was like, where do I want to live? Where do I think I want to spend my career? Where do I think I'll grow the most? And it was going to Berkeley in California. Gotcha. So you, you, you shifted, went into business school. How was that transition? You had done a decent amount of business at this point, and then yeah. you kind of pulled back and then went into business school. What was that transition like? Yeah, I, I, you know, I went to business school with a goal. As I said, like I was looking, I was trying to look at the, the market for jobs for me before, and there was like junior entry level. So I went to business school saying, hey, I'll get formal American business education. I'll get uh, to interact with larger companies, I'll put some brands on my resume, and you know it would be easier in the job market maybe later. That's what that's initially thinking. Thinking, you know, what what am I going to do in business school? Uh, but I guess you know, personality wise, it's different. And then getting into business school, the only things I my, that drew my attention were how to fund companies, how to go to the, the entrepreneurship classes, how to raise money, how to be a VC, how to be all those. Things. So all the classes that I've taken, all the projects that I did was like either building companies, helping companies, being in classes where you learn how to fund companies. So this is like, I would say 70% of my MBA was like learning about early stage, how to build companies and how to fund them, which was, again, amazing experience and learning, but not what I expected coming in. Gotcha. Here's a question, because this is a hot topic. Would you recommend somebody goes to business school or not? If yes, what are those situations where you would recommend that? Yeah, it's a big question. I agree. It's a hot topic. For me, it was, I think, one of the best decisions of my life. Why is that? I learned so much, got to meet so many amazing people. And doing that in the, in the place that I wanted to grow my career, location has a lot to do with that as well. Uh, so it sort of like brought together everything that I wanted to put me in a place where I'm, I learned a lot on the areas that I really wanted to focus on and that I cared the, the most. So I feel like I'm, you know, if you ask me questions about how to start a company and what's important, how to do it and how to raise money, like I have, I, I've gained so much information from so many people that have been there and done that and met so people, so many people along the way. So when, when you need advice or you need to ask for something, those people are there and especially being part of the network of, of this school, it's just amazing. Like, when you reach out to people, they just answer, which you, you know, otherwise probably won't happen. So I think for me, it's those three things, whether I think it's the best decision for everyone, probably not. It, it depends a lot on what, what you want for your career and how you think about that. But for me, I can say it was the best decision. You know, if you are, I don't know, I don't want to just give generalized uh, examples, but if you are a consultant that want to go to a tech company, you probably don't have to do the MBA to, to go there. Like you can do this transition without that. So, and, and then why spending two years of 
earning potential plus pay, I don't know, 100 or 200K on that and putting yourself 400K minus, uh, that, that's very hard to justify if, if you're looking at that from an analytical perspective. Yeah, makes sense. So went to business school. How, how, did, you get, how did you get involved with Agentero? Yeah, uh, so I met Luis, the founder of Agentero. He was also at business school with, with me same year. He started at Berkeley. We hit it off really, you know, at the beginning, like first week we got, we met a few friends, met with him. It was like, I think what I liked a lot about him that he was super sharp, but it was also like super fun. So like whatever you ask him, whatever, like everyone that, you know, professors were giving him like cold calling and stuff like that, it would always be on top of the answers. Like even if he wasn't listening at all, so it would <laughs> always be super sharp. But then he, you know, he like you'll go out and you'll be like going out and drinking and having fun. So this is how I met Luis and eventually why I joined Agentero. Uh, but in between, I also went to do an internship at Embroker. So it's an, another insurance company. And I did that three or four months in between my first and second year, which was great experience, great understanding of the U.S. insurance market, like got a lot of glimpses into that with this experience, both learning learning before about that, going through this summer and a little bit later. And also what sort of like got me and Luis together because he dropped after the first semester of business school because he raised his angel funding for, for Agentero. Uh, I wasn't involved so much. I, I knew him, we were friends, but we, I, I wasn't involved with the funding of Agentero. So he went doing that on his own. Uh, and then I was an, a dam broker, and at the end, at the end of the summer, he was at the point where he was looking for someone to help with like marketing. I was like, "Hey, we need more leads. I need someone to help with marketing." And I was like, "He was like, hey, you work for a broker? Let's 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 work together. Let's see how it works." I really liked him. Like you know, he was smart and fun and and all that. And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." I did that sort of like part time, helping him through a couple months, and then. Then after doing that for a couple months, joined full time during the second year of business school. So did that and then just kept going with him. It's a great, great ride since. I love it. And you guys have grown like crazy. Yes. What have been some of those challenges that you've had to overcome throughout that growth? Wow, that's a lot. Uh, so I joined, uh, I think I was employee number four. Uh, we basically didn't have anything other than uh, a landing page and something that an engineer started developing. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I, I joined really, really early. And back then the challenge was like, hey, how do we build this machine that started to bring, well, what is the product and all that, trying to figure it out. But the same way from our perspective was how, because as, as you remember, I was hired to do marketing and bring leads. So how do you build this machine that starts bringing, and we have a very particular niche, which is insurance agents in the US, which is a very small industry. How do you bring these people and start getting them notice you and actually be interested in what you're doing? So how do you get there? So that was the first challenge, just figuring out how to do it in a small niche. Uh, haven't done it in full scale in the US before. I have done a lot of that back in Israel, which was uh, similar because similar networks and you know the social networks and, and types of marketing motions and things like that. So bringing a lot of those concepts uh, that I've already done helped a lot. Uh, that was the main challenge. But now as, as we grow, I think the challenge 
you know, the challenges are, are multiplied. So what the first was just how do we set it up and how do we execute and how do I personally go in, put all those things in motion, building from scratch. So evaluating that, evaluating the systems and what we need to do and how does that scale. And then the other challenge is like, how do you build a great team that adds value and can do things better than I do them? And, you know, since I think, the number one challenge all the time is like, how do you keep up with hiring the best people for the roles uh, and keeping them happy and engaged and how you create this culture at the company where people are happy to come in? What advice would you have for people on how to do that? And how have you done that that you've had success doing? Uh, so on culture or, or on hiring? Or I th- both? I'd say building that team. Um, if I'm hearing yeah. you correctly, and I, I know this challenge well, the challenge is we've got a rapidly growing company. And mm-hmm. we've got to first find good people. We mm-hmm. have to onboard those people. We have to train them. And we need to make sure that they're excited about what they're doing. And then on top of that, especially when you're really scaling, uh, you have the added piece to that is how do we maintain the culture with all of these new people all of the time? Yep. How do you go about that? What works for you? Good question is... Uh... Some things like from a hiring perspective, you need to, you, first, you need to have your networks. You need to know how, you need to set up a, a, a good process. And I think it starts from, for me, hiring starts from a process and being able to hire based on the objective criteria and not just bringing, you know, whomever one person thinks is, is best because they, you know, they, they heard something they like. So being able to build a, a recruiting process and, we have built that ourselves, right? We, when you start from scratch and build that, you have to build it. There is no one coming and say like, what is the best way to do it? So, you know, making sure that each role has an actual test that they're doing and interviewing by multiple people to get to get different approaches and different perspective and unbiasing one another. So a lot of work being done, has been done into what is the actual process to hire those people and how do we do it? And then of course, a lot of work into the pipeline, which for me, I think it's the, once you have the process is the easiest is the easier part like okay you have the role let's fill the pipeline this is like a marketing sales challenge again it's challenging but it's less challenging that like setting up the actual process and making sure that you know when you get a few candidates to hire the right person for the role this is for me this criteria is harder than let's fill the pipeline with more candidates yeah, it makes sense. It makes total sense. So if I could, if I'm playing that back to you, it's okay. What is our process for recruiting? What's our process yeah. for evaluation? What's our process for onboarding? And starting that out at an early stage in the company, um, which a lot of people don't realize, you, you can do that. That process. I think the biggest thing that I've always thought is put a process in. But if you're in the early stage, know that that process is going to be iterated on a thousand times because it's a totally different company every six months if you're growing rapidly. I agree with some of that. I think that the process of like evaluating a person, a higher for a role, the, the roles could change, the process might change and iterate a little bit, but the, the general concepts of them being multiple interviews with mul- not biasing, without biasing one another, having another objective criteria, which is a, some sort of a test for each role that, you know, uh, give them the some of the challenges that would actually face on the mm-hmm. job that by itself is is not changing like yes who is interviewing changes what are you asking that might change a little bit but those types of concepts that again talking to a lot of founders a lot of companies that have 
you know, I, I met along the way, they don't pay attention to that. They inter- they talk to people, the founders, oh, this guy is great. Talk to him. Okay, let's hire. Like making very fast decisions, sometimes ignoring red flags, sometimes not taking like this, you know, not moving out the, the biasing effect. So if the CEO says, hey, interview this one, I think it's good. This one will be hired because the CEO said so. You want to be able to build a process that remove biasing from the way so you hire actually the right person for the role. I think that's a totally fair call out. Um, totally, totally fair call out. And I think that's excellent advice to um, set up a system. A lot of times I, I find a scorecard is great on this, uh, especially mm-hmm. if you've got to hire a lot of people. Uh, actually, I take that back. Uh, a lot of people or a very little amount of people, that scorecard still really helps because sometimes it could be hard when you get down to kind of the the final couple. The hardest is actually when you've got so many good people. That's a really tricky one. It's a great problem to have, yeah. but it is tricky on who to get. So I think that's excellent advice. So, you know, one question I want to kind of leave with is, you know, what would you tell your younger self? I purposely left that vague. That's up to you on, <laughs> on what age uh, that person is. But if you could t- have a conversation with your younger self, what would you tell them? Yeah. Great question. Uh, well, everything will be okay. <laughs> I think that that's uh take it easy. Everything will be okay. I think I grew up in a, again, small city, not, not having a lot of the, the safety nets that are, you know, a lot of people have, and I had to, you know, grind and, and, you know, work really hard and be being very competitive all along to be the best. Just relax a little bit. It'll be fine. Don't worry about that. Yes. It's okay that you're, you know, it's okay that you're trying and, and being competitive, but it'll be okay if you're not, working 24-7 as well. I think that's, that. for me, that would be like <laughs> the, 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 the one advice to give my younger self. And I think it applies for other people as well. Yes, there are a lot of things. You want to be the best. You want to do more, but you'll, you'll be fine. Don't worry about that. Yes, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to give that also to, I have two younger daughters uh, and, they're, and they're also, I see them, they're super young. They're like, the older one is four and a half, but she's like, trying to make everything like if it doesn't work, she's getting super upset. And I'm like, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. Just <laughs> it, you know? And, you know, I said that I said it to my child, but I should have given the same thing to myself when I was younger. So I love that. I think it's dead on. Um, and especially <laughs> if you're really driven, right? It feels like these setbacks could almost be the end of the world. Yep. But the reality is they're not. And you, you're not even going to think about that in five, six years. Yep probably five, six days, but I think that's excellent. Ito, thank you for coming on the show. I thought this was so much fun and I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks, Gunnar. It was a lot of fun. I hope it's, uh, you know, this experience helped someone along the way. I love it. Yeah, I 100% think it will. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. 